Guys, what's happening? Welcome back to the show. This is week number three of my new podcast, Creating Space. I'm Wes Knight. For the third week, I'm bringing to you Mr. James J.B. Brown, creator of the Peachtree Village International Film Festival in Atlanta. He's also a philanthropist. He works with inner city underprivileged youth in Charlotte. And this guy's story is unique because he's learned the art of adaptability. He has managed to create himself as his own brand and become a marketing genius within that realm. One of the things you'll learn is just how the knowledge of self can be used in your own business strategy. He's a great guy. You're going to love the energy that he brings. Let's tune in right now to Creating Space with Wes Knight featuring Mr. James J.B. Brown. Mr. James J.B. Brown, welcome to the show. Welcome to Creating Space. Thank you, my brother. How you doing? Well, I forgot to mention that you are hailing from Brooklyn, New York. All day, baby. I love it. I love it. I love the. uh, I love the accent. James and I, we met at the gallery. Yeah, yeah, an excellent spot. And William over there. Yeah, yeah. We met just outside there. I was talking about one of the videos that I'm working on. JB was there talking about his film festival. All of a sudden, good energies collided. Now we sit. Yeah, yeah, he was with all these soccer guys, and I walked in with a soccer ball on, and your boy Mark Wright was talking about his redemption song, I think, you yep. Mark Wright. Right, which and premieres tomorrow. Loud. Yeah, it, it premieres tomorrow on ESPN, right? Yep. It's 30 for 30, and I got a chance to review the film, and he actually submitted it for this year's festival. Okay, so he submitted it into Peachtree yeah, Village it, it, International it got, Film it got, Festival. It got accepted, yeah. What? It got accepted? It got accepted. That's big-time news, man. No doubt, no doubt. That's so big-time we'll, we'll, news. We'll be showing that down in Atlanta in August. Okay, so how many years has that been going? Uh, this is our 11th. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 11, Eleven years strong. Eleven years strong. It, it's obviously growing every year in popularity. Uh, I think it grows holistically popularity somewhat, but sometimes what we do is we try to not get it out there to where it's like big and sloppy. Okay. You know, like a couple of years, we almost had that happen to us, you know, where it was like, oh, wow, he got a lot going on and right. more sponsored dollars to make it re- look right. So we had to kind of reel it in to control it, you know. Keep it authentic. Energy controlled is better than energy not controlled. I like that. Yeah. Energy controlled yeah. is better than energy uncontrolled. Man, that is a quote. And this guy, in the short time I've known him, he is full of quotes. Impact Impactful, impactful quotes. I want to ask you first, tell me how a guy from Brooklyn, New York, brings himself to Charlotte, North Carolina. What was the allure there? Oh, that was interesting. I got here in 95, and uh, I had a record company in Virginia Beach. The end of 94, going into 95. One of my best friends from school, I went to Norfolk State University in 87. Okay. I left in 88, but one of my boys stayed, one of my best friends stayed. And from when I left, I had went on to uh, went back to Brooklyn. Then I went to University of Maryland and I did about three years there. Worked at BET and Rap City and all that stuff. I went to New York and I got a record deal. And then you know I got a record deal with a great company called Zoo BMG. Ended up doing some great work. I had a group called Dirt Nation. Did a cool single named Khadija, uh, Sugar Hill movie soundtrack, Wesley Snipes. And it was wow. cool, you know, it was cool. That is cool. That yeah. that era, that's yeah, pretty, was 90s, that was a pretty baby. big deal, man, the 90s. 90s. Yeah, Wesley yeah. Snipes, you were involved with Wesley Snipes yeah. at that time. Yeah. yeah. You, were, you were that guy as well. Yeah, yeah. we had right? a cool team. And then um, my manager, this guy named Kedar Massenberg, his brother is Daddy-O from Stetsasonic. And okay. they had this brownstone in, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. And one brownstone over was Junior Mafia. So it was Biggie and them. Wow. So we got a chance to no vibe back in the days. Yeah. So you were rubbing shoulders with Biggie. Yeah, yeah, we did some records together, actually, yeah. There's one word that I associate with Biggie Small's flow, and that's silk. Yes. Yeah, when I listen sweet. to Biggie Small's, yeah, yeah, he, man. he know how to ride a record. He, he ride that yeah, Biggie like a Yeah, a he can touch your soul with his lyrics. Yeah, 
78 Cadillacs available. <laughs> he just rolled that joint. Yeah. yeah. Biggie was smooth, but I wasn't that excited too much about the art, you know, just being an artist. I was really more excited about being a businessman even then. Okay. And uh, So how old were you at this time? I think I was 23. I was 23 when I got my first record deal. And then uh, the record came out in 93. And then uh, 94, you know, we kept it going. And I just wanted more. So I got a phone call from my boy that was in Virginia because he was asking me how I got here. Yeah. And I came here in 95. And my boy in Virginia was like, hey, Jay, got this label I'm starting. Can you come help me run it? And I was like, tell me a little bit more what you're trying to do. He has some R&B artists from Greenville, North Carolina. And he had some records with Missy Elliott with them and uh, another guy named Big Bub from a group named Today, R&B group. So he had put some work in. He had a couple of dollars. And I was like, yeah, all right, cool, let's do it. I wanted to do something bigger anyway. you know. So I went down there to Virginia Beach from Brooklyn, and um, we had the label, and the feds came in <laughs> a year later. <laughs> the feds came in a year the later. The feds came in a year later. What is that like? Not a lot of people can imagine that except it being on TV not or good, in a movie. It, was, it wasn't Empire. Do they beat bro. down your door? It wasn't Empire. It wasn't Power. It was real. It was real, huh? It was real. And I'm wow. not saying Empire and Power is you know, not, it's, but it's television. But sure. this was real life, straight up, here you go. And the feds came in, and they gave my partner 40 to life. And he was 24, and I was 25. Holy you know, from smokes. Some, from some things back in the day. Is things that you know people do, right? To make ends sure. meet, and sure. um, it's just a intuitive situation I was in, man. I wasn't partaking in a whole bunch of the crazy stuff. I was just, you know, enjoying the fact that we had resources and we were we were trying to make something happen. Got it. And I was just, you know, living life, and you know, situation happened, and they, they hit my boy up, and you know, he went in. He only had to do nineteen. He got ten knocked off real quick, so he had the forty. Then it came to thirty. Then he only ended up doing nineteen. So he came home like two years ago. From, from 1995. Good and, for him. And then, um, just being honest, I just made a phone call. You know, I was talking to my uncle, and I was like, yo, Pop, I call him Pops. He, he kind of looked out for me when my parents passed away when I was younger. So I was like, yo, Pops, got a situation, got this label deal going on, about to sign with a company called Alliance. Um, it was an independent distributor. And so he was already informed of what I was doing. And then when the feds came in, I told him, yo, feds hit, and, you know, it was ugly. And he was like, yo, come to Charlotte and, and hang out with me. And So you came me. to start over? No, nah, I ain't come to start over. I just came to continue. I like that. Yeah, I, ain't I come like to start that. Over. What was Charlotte like at this time? Ninety five. Ninety five. That's just before the the Panthers hit. Yeah, Charlotte was cool, man. I came into a um, interesting situation because um, I was already down south when I went to Norfolk, so it wasn't like I was new to the south. I understand cultures, mm. so I understand how to get along with people anywhere I go. It's very good to have cultural competency and not to have a big ego. Cultural competency will help you win anywhere you go. And just paying attention to signs. The ego thing, too, can kill you. Because a lot of people think coming from, you know, New York or up north, we have this ego where we're the best and this and that. I've, I was, I've never been like that. My parents are from down south, and I, they migrated up to New York. So I was blessed to have the best of both worlds. But I never had that ego problem where I would think I, would better, I was better than somebody. I, mean, I used to, to see dudes from New York that was chumps, and I used to be like, yo. We should rob you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you at, at one point in your life, you you were caught in that battle with the ego, and you had a bigger ego, and that, and then you learned how to navigate it, and you became culturally competent nah, over time. No, nah, I never had a big you were, ego. You were always like, you, I was like always this. like, I was, I was never a bully. I was never a punk. Gotcha. I was just a cool dude. You know, I had cool moms. My dad was cool. He died when I was 13. Sorry to hear that. And yeah, so I just had a cool-ass moms, man. She was a school teacher in Brooklyn, and she kept us grounded. And I was a little kid. Like, I hung out with the older dudes. I fought the bigger dudes. Right. So I had respect. 
Sure. And um, I just never liked to see anybody get bullied, nothing like that. So that kept my ego in check. So I never had an ego, like an ego problem. I have an ego, I guess, because I guess we all have an ego. But I don't have an ego problem, I don't think. I, I never... I've never been told I had a messed up ego. Well, in the times that I've uh, brushed shoulders with you, I've never seen anything but a smile. Yeah, I've never yeah. gotten anything but daps and hugs. Yeah. Uh, nothing but support. Yeah. Uh, you called me, or actually I called you about a week ago, talking to you about creating space and needing advice because I felt intuitively, you spoke earlier about the feeling, felt intuitively that you had a message for me and something that I needed to have. Right. And my brother, you hit me in the face. It was a you know Muhammad Ali jab right to the Shook right to the, the world. face you know what i'm saying <laughs> like you are, Ali, yeah, yeah he is the man you know rest in peace muhammad right. his message lives on but your message is powerful and it doesn't just come in the oral form it comes in the, in your vibration and in the way that you go and the cultural competency yeah. that you're talking about so you've gotten to charlotte mm -hmm. you're here mm -hmm. you're putting roots here, down putting roots down and you're a businessman you're right. a mar masterful marketer i've yeah. seen it in the uh. flesh what technology wasn't really kicking off at that time but in Innovation has always been a part of society. Correct. How did you have that love for innovation to create a new brand down here in Charlotte? Well, it seemed like I was always a leader. Okay. So I would put my mind to something no matter what it was. And um, I believe in karma. So I felt like if I do good things, it's going to come back. Love that. Right? So I say, you know, let me put my mind to something. And I was in a new space, a new town. I was down, I was down south in, in North Carolina. I always loved North Carolina because, I'm going to be honest with you, growing up in Brooklyn, we used to see these, um, these tractor-trailer trucks come up full of watermelons. And, and I used to hear stories about the hustlers that was from North Carolina and how they would do certain things and, and they were enterprising. And I would see the buildings open up and the businesses in, in New York and I was like, you know what? North Carolina is the, space, the place of the retired hustlers. So I was like, yo, I'm in North Carolina. Okay, I'm like, it's 95. I'm 25. So I was like, hold on. I ain't a millionaire yet. Man, I, ain't, I ain't retired yet. But I was like, you know, this is cool. So where did you start? I was going to get there. I was okay. like saying, let me focus on this music thing that my uncle had, you know, trying to do. And then I still had the guys in the group. You know, I was still the other owner of the company. Mm. My boy was in the joint, but I was still out. So I was like, let me figure this out. So I just naturally gravitated towards music because I was JB from Dirt Nation and BET. So when I got a record dealer, I had a video. My video was on BET night and day for like a year, dude. Like my people was blessing me. Wow. So we blew up mm -hmm. off of the video, really, to be honest with you. So of course I was somewhat known when I got here. Gotcha. Some people knew who I was. So I just kept going towards music entertainment. And I met some cool people. I was at an Erica Badu concert at one of these amphitheaters. And this dude that used to work at our label, our independent label, Uncut Records in Virginia Beach, he also went to school with me in 87 at Norfolk. It was, a weird, it was weird how this happened. He used to work with us at Uncut in 95 in Virginia Beach. He used to do our promotions and our marketing. His name was Rob Love. Okay. So I ran into Rob Love. You know, we were smiling. Yo, what up? What up? Yo, he was like, yo, you all right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm all right, bro. You know, because he knew what went down. Sure. So homie was like, yo, Jay, you know, I'm over with Def Jam. Now I got the national director of promotions, film marketing position. Right. National. I said, what the hell? You serious? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, what you doing? I said, I'm a little bit of this, a little, you know, music stuff. He was like, yo, you want to uh, you wanna rock with Charlotte? I just got the national position for the whole country. I can give you Charlotte since you're in Charlotte. And for one part of me, it felt like I was going backwards because I was already an artist before. I had already made records. I owned record companies. But right. it was Def Jam. 
So and I was you, like, you got to get involved. I was like, let me, I said, let me call you tomorrow. He said, all right, call me. I called him. I said, yeah, we could do it. And then that's how I got in the mix with Def Jam. And then I took that and I eventually had Charlotte. I eventually got a Raleigh dorm, Greensboro, and then I took Atlanta. And then I was doing the marketing and field promotions for nine years for Def Jam. And I had a ball. That was one of the highlights of my life. Most influential individual in Def Jam that's graced your presence, graced your life. Russell. Yeah? Russell Simmons. Yeah. Without Russell. a doubt. Yeah, without a he doubt. He is Def Jam. Russell, to me, was, was real. You know, What's different about Russell? Street, common sense, intelligence, witty, shit that I like. Right. Uh, you know, we're not the same. We, you know, we, we have our differences, of course, in, in the way you know, some of our deliveries are. But overall, really, you know, I really respect that man. I like him. Um, he, always, he was always nice to me. You know, he took time out, you know, kick it with me and laugh and joke. And I just, he's one of those people that, you know, a lot of people, you see him on TV and this and that and books and everything, but I got a chance to kick it with him and talk to him one-on-one. And um, The impression he, that he left with you. He genuine, man. Yeah, just genuine. Yeah, he's genuine, dude, man. He I is like. who he is, you know what I'm saying? And that's one thing about me, you know, I like people that don't fake it, mm. you know? Be, Something to be said about authenticity. It takes bravery yeah. to be authentic in your yeah. own skin, doesn't it? Yeah, be who you are, you know, um, no matter what. <laughs> so you, you just finished with Def Jam uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. And how did the Peachtree Village International Film Festival, how did you use the connections that you had there in Atlanta to grow that? Great segue. That's exactly what happened. I was in Atlanta. And um, I was doing, I was basically stationing myself out of there because it was just more entertainment stuff going on in Charlotte. So around 2000, 2001, two, three, four, well, I was down in Atlanta a lot. And people were coming at me, you know, to help me market their products. And a lot of these cats, you know, they had ideas, but they didn't have money. Got it. So, you know, this one young man, my current partner, his name is Lynn Gibson, he came to me and he had this, you know, he said, oh, you in the entertainment industry? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, yo, you know, um, I got an idea. He's like, yo, wasn't you on the elevator with me? I'm like, yeah. He said, yo, man, I got an idea to do, you know, a festival, a film festival. One of my other boys had just told me, you know, yo, Jay, why don't you do a, a progression in the film? Television is natural coming out of the music situation. It wasn't that I was finishing music yet, but Napster had just hit. So the digital downloads was happening. Everybody was getting smashed. Record companies was getting smashed, you know, with sales. So I was like, you know, all right. So... I said, I'll look more into the film thing. And then I met this guy, and he's like, yo, Jay, you want to help me out with this film festival? I need some marketing. I was like, how much money you got? He said, I ain't got no money. I said, I need percentage ownership. I need ownership thing. So I'm a businessman, you know? So I was like, sounds like a good opportunity. You know, it's film. It's international. It's not national, local. So I was like, you know what? I like that. It's international. I got a chance to listen to him a little bit. Man, we, you know, we did the paperwork, and we did the first film festival on Auburn Avenue, at the Sweet Auburn Festival, Spring Fest, it was huge. We had about 300, 400,000 people on the street at the wow. festival. And we just... 300, 400,000 400,000 people on the street. On your first year? It, it was our first year, but we attached ourselves to a Spring Festival. We started off as a Sweet Auburn International Film Festival. And we started off on Auburn Avenue. And we started off as a part of the Sweet Auburn Spring Fest. And it's the street Auburn Avenue's famous, famous... Street and it's in Atlanta. It's the street where Martin Luther King's house is. Wow, yeah. iconic! Yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's so much history. Ebenezer Baptist Church, so much history for the the African American fight. You know, civil rights and all that stuff. SL, SBLC, you know, whatever. Uh, Southern Leadership, SLDC, I think. But it was so powerful 
for our people, but it was electric just to be there. And that was the first one, just to be, we were at an Auburn Avenue Research Library, and just to see, you look down from a high floor, you see like maybe 300,000, 400,000 people. Wow. Going from, it was one part of the street at the top, all the way like Cortland Avenue, all the way like the Martin Luther King's house, which is probably like a mile, maybe two miles. Nothing but people. All internationals as well. So people are coming to see your films Mm -hmm. and to share in the artistry, but also to be immersed in the culture and to see the history. So brilliant for you to market it in such a way and to leverage it. It was a blessing. It It was a blessing, man. I mean, that right there, that made me feel like, excuse me, that made me feel like I was at Def Jam again. You know what I'm saying? Just seeing all of that. Because when I was at Def Jam, it was at the mountaintop. Right. It wasn't like Homeboy Records, you know? Sure. It was Def Jam Records. So when I saw that, I was like, this is good. This is good. This keeps me at the eagle level and not the pigeon stuff. You know what I'm saying? So that was awesome. And then uh, uh, we just kept going from there and we evolved into our own thing, Peachtree Village International Film Festival, and we just kept it going. And we've honored a lot of people, given a lot of people a lot of awards. And I think that's how I kind of became this philanthropist in that. In that industry, you know, I, I give away a lot. Right. You know, I give away a lot. It goes back lot. to the karma that you talked about earlier mm-hmm. about how it, the more good you do, the more good comes back to you. And you're mm-hmm. coming to a, a place now as we sit inside of your office mm-hmm. here in Charlotte. You've just finished a party. Yeah. End of the year school party kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, end of the year school party. Yep. And, and what, what are the kids right now that you're working with? Tell me a little bit about this philanthropy that you're doing here in Charlotte. Well, this is uh, Youth Advocacy Family Business, ARJ LLC, Jasper's House, Day Treatment. It's a behavior health school. Okay. Uh, we have about 20, 25 kids from uh, school system, CMS, and other alternative schools that they've gotten, you know, kind of put out of there because of their behavior. Right. Some of them do academics, but mostly behavior. And we instruct them here, and we give them part instruction, and we give them part behavior. Uh, so we give them part academics and part behavior therapy. You, know. you give them access to growth. We give them exposure. Exposure. Yeah, create, so they can remain creative. Like the mindfulness, the same thing you do, mm-hmm. the creating mindfulness, that comes from exposure, you know, people, places, and things. Sure. So that's what we try and do. We try and expose them to positive, positive people, positive places, positive things. Take them out of the, some of the negativity in their mind, some of the negativity in their neighborhoods, some of them in their homes, you know, sure. um, just help them grow. Expose them to an, a new environment, yeah. a new positive environment, yeah. one yeah. that they that shows them that this is possible. Yeah. And they yeah. have to learn that it's it's habitual, isn't it? A yeah. positive mindset, you, yeah. you don't just download it uh, into your mind. It takes uh, reps in the yeah. gym. It's, it's, um, and I like what you said, it's programming. Yes. It's programming. It's reprogramming some, and then it's programming. It's, it's even deprogramming. <laughs> you yeah. You got some deprogramming on some people. Because a lot of things that people learn. And the only way to break habits is through repetition, right? Repetition is the father of of learning. Repetition. Yeah, repetition. People get it in threes or 30s or whatever, hundreds. (laughs) So what is your plan now that you're at this spot in your life where you have found, uh, as a businessman, how is JB going to continue to evolve? And what happens next? I have faith and uh, I work. So I put that together, okay. first and foremost. I believe in God. I'm real spiritual. So with my faith and my works, so I just plot my course. I'm a project manager. Went to school for it. So anything I, anything I look at, or even myself, I look at as a project. And um, I say, you know what? Let me figure out how to manage this. Let me assess it, see if it's viable. Let me 
put a, a timeline on it. You know, let me see what components I'm going to need to make it happen, what needs to be improved, and then how can I control it and make it better? I look at myself like that. So if I say, you know, um, I could keep helping the kids, I want to do this forever. Uh, I'm forever young. I ain't never old. And the good thing about that is I know myself, so I got knowledge of self. One of my mentors, Mr. Mark Wright, told me that I'd be a wise man to surround myself with intelligent women to help me learn to grow a business uh, as an entrepreneur, to have mentors and really listen in to to women uh, and and their ability to understand uh, that that cultural intelligence that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I, I find that to be the, uh, very, very true. They, mm-hmm. they don't get into their feelings when it comes to business. They, they can stay outside of that, that connection between the emotions and, mm-hmm. and the business side of things. I think I'd second that. The, the mm-hmm. women that I've worked with, I'd like to give a shout out to my manager, Sharita Johnson, mm-hmm. 25 years at the audio industry and ESPN. She's a beast. Awesome. She is a beast. And I don't think I could work as well with a male as I do with Sharita awesome. uh, being a female. That dynamic, I can second that. That dynamic yeah. is, is, yeah. is great. I've learned that. I've learned women. Um, I surround myself with beautiful women that are intelligent and they have good karma. Mm. Because karma jumps, so I got to be careful who, I, who I'm around. You could be pretty, and you could be a monster. You could be a pretty monster. Sure. So I got to make sure that you know your your stuff is aligned with mine. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, you guys are vibing at the same frequency yeah, level, yeah, bro. You know what I'm saying? That whole equally yoked thing and uh-huh. similar core values, all that. Oh, that's real. It's real. It's real. It, it, it doesn't just exist in the business model; it exists nah. in the personal model as yeah, well. Yeah, it's so real. So, you know, I surround myself with good people. Try my best to, and you know, when I have to, you know, really look hard to find it, I just be by myself with God. And I just, like I said, I put the map out there, I see what I gotta do, I see the resources that I have to get to, I understand how I gotta get to these resources and what things I can and cannot do because of how fragile life is. You know what I mean? Yes. Life is fragile. So I make sure that, you know, I sacrifice. You know, I might sacrifice some time just to, to still be safe. Okay. I believe in being safe. So, you know, looking forward, I see some technology, you know, innovations. I love technology. I touched on that a second ago about the innovations, um, a few seconds ago, actually, about innovations and technology. But um, I see information technology. Went back to school, got a degree in that, in project management, business analyst. I'm not a techie. I'm a, I'm a businessman. My thing was to, you know, learn this and learn some of the business and go hire you know, outsource 20 project managers and make like $20 off for each of them an hour. And I make $400 an hour. And then I just let them work for six months all year on a contract, and I make four hundred dollars an hour for six months all year. That was that was what my mindset was when I started the technology business. But then, of course, everything is technology. So then I start looking at streaming, musical content, concerts, skateboard events, BMX events, motocross. I don't care what it is. I was sending it around the world, streaming. And then I looked at technology, how it was going digitally, and I was like loving it. And then I was like, yo. Hey, we can make some video games, all types of stuff. So I was like, let's do it. We can make some telephones and do some mobile technology and some cloud infrastructure. That's the most incredible thing I've learned about you is your ability to think outside of the box mm-hmm. when it comes to business opportunities. You know, everyone's looking for creating an app or creating a, a new telephone or the general pass of awareness. Right, while you're looking to connect with someone and maybe get up, get on a tax on on True. that app totally. and connect people totally. and and take just a little bit from yeah. a lot because yeah. it adds up. Yeah. And you blew my mind. It was a paradigm shift when I met you and you started talking to me about the things that you were involved in. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me figure out what's wrong with me and the way that I look at business because this guy's got it figured out. 
Yeah, so, I, and you know, Wes, you know, to be honest with you, man, you got you got a lot going on for yourself. You're awesome, man. You know, professional appreciate soccer that. You know, that's, that's huge. You're a coach. You help people. And just to keep it real, which I told you this already, you're a white man, bro. You know, you got you got a lot going for you, man. You know, um, you just gotta take advantage of it. And I like the fact that you you got good character. Appreciate you know, that. You know, that that to me makes me feel like, yo, this guy can actually do it and give back and help. Right. And help others. Um, that makes me feel good. I okay. like the character. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and I like the fact you're a white man. <laughs> Go get that money, bro. <laughs> Go get that money, bro. It, 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 it is what it is. You know, right. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sure. You know, it is what it is. I'm, I'm just a I'm Well, realist. the thing about creating space and what we've got here, this is a conversation, and I do this for free, it's but, uh, but it, it is what it is. You've got to make money in this world to be able to survive. Yeah. Uh, so you're right. Yeah. I would like to say that uh, myself and creating space would love to be a part of what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, if, I, if I could help whether that be coaching soccer, whether that be teaching kids, I do abstract art, whether that be teaching kids how to, to work with acrylics and a paintbrush. I'd love to be able to, to get involved and, and keep pushing that, that karma ball around. One of my mentors told me the other day, he said, just like in soccer, don't ever get caught on the ball. Mm. Don't, ever, don't ever keep the ball too long when you could give right. it to someone else. Right. So when you get that po- ball real. of positivity in your life, keep it moving. That's real. Push it away to someone else. I can see that. Don't ever get caught on the ball. I can see that. I can see that. Never get caught on the ball. We can pass it to somebody else. Yeah, you get, you get stuck. You'll get stuck. You get stuck. You'll yeah, get stuck. Yeah, yeah, you get stuck. But, yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're more than welcome. I told you already. We're more than welcome to help out. We can come up with something that works schedule-wise. Awesome. The kids, they need the exposure. When you're bringing them something like soccer or even art, you know, art is therapeutic. You know, soccer is, is athletic and therapeutic. You're out there running and you're learning how to follow directions. And you learn how to get along with other people. And you learn how to be a teammate. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. said, passing the ball. Yes. You know? And then you're learning that you might be good at something. Like, hold on, homie. I ain't passing it yet because I'm about to strike. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Pow. So, it's my turn to score. Yeah, it's my turn to score. And then, you know, some kids might figure out they have a knack for it. So you might have just opened change up something life. that, yeah, change their change life, life. You know? Change and, their and life. And that's, that's what really matters to me is influencing people to have a mindset that there's more and mm-hmm. that they can do more, they can be more, and they can give more, And which is why it was so important, JB, mm-hmm. for me to run you down, literally, because so you're, you're a tough guy to slow down, so for good. me to run you down, get into your life, peel back the layers into what you have going on. I like to end this episode, man, with giving gratitude to you for Likewise. existing in the way that you exist. With authenticity, with confidence, with moxie, and then with grace, man, with the ability to understand the impact that you have and using that for good, Thank being you. on the light side, yeah. not on the dark side. And I'd love to end it yeah. talking to you. I want to I give you a chance to give three things that you're grateful for and one intention that you'd like to set for yourself moving forward for whether it be the rest of your day, the rest of your week, or the rest of your life. I'm grateful for my spirituality. That's probably most grateful for being born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I learned a lot. Mm. I learned a lot quick. Met a lot of interesting people. Just, just exposed to so much culture there. So much culture, you know, New York is like the melting pot, you know, it's like the capital of the world. Absolutely. So what that allowed me to do was just, go, you know, I can go other places and, and understand them kind of quickly because I understood all of that stuff I was getting in New York. So if everything is there, then I'm everything. But I just got to know I'm everything and be humble enough to listen so I can can understand that part that's coming. To listen, connect back to the spirituality because the messages are everywhere, aren't they? Yeah, just got to listen. And the third thing I would say I'm grateful for, I think, would be children. The youth. 
the youth. Because I get to live through them. I get to protect them from things that I've seen happen to me when I was young. And, you know, um, other kids that I've seen things happen to them. And the parents passed away early for me. I kind of put, you know, I line it up with like I was in the damn jungle raised by the wolves. Right. To a certain extent. Okay. And I know some of the pitfalls that can happen. A lot of them didn't happen to me, but I know a lot of people that it did happen. Right. You've seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. So I'm grateful for, for kids, man. I don't know. I, I could have said a lot of things, but grateful for kids, man. I um, love that. Those three are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, intentions are huge for me. I like to set one when I wake up. Yeah. I like to set one when I go to sleep. Yeah. So I have direction. Yeah. I need direction because when you put me on a path, you're not going to stop me. Right. So that's how I feel. I need direction or else I'm going everywhere but nowhere all at the same time. So yeah. your intention, my intention, throw that out there. My intention is to um, continue being a cultural influencer, continue being a good person, strive for the best, surround myself around the best because then I can only be like them. You, you are you your are, environment. Yeah, you are your environment. You know, you will be sooner or later what you are around. Yes. So I want to be around the best and um, just keep helping the world, leave a good legacy and teach some people some things. And, you know, just I want to have like, I want to be like Professor Xavier slash Wolverine. <laughs> a whole bunch of mutant kids. Yeah, I love it. Behind me, like, yo, we like we think like Mr. JB. Or and we could change the world. And we could change the world and we could do it like this. We're going to get some money like the Rothschilds. Mm. We're going to play some good music like James Brown Prince and Michael Jackson and whoever. And we're going to shake up the world like Muhammad Ali. And, you know, we're just going to do good things with our power and we'll stay on the light side. What we have learned from Mr. J.B. Brown. Now, it has been such an inspiring moment to sit here with J.B. to be able to allow him to tell his story, to show you just why I literally raise my vibratory rate when I'm around him. It's incredible. I want to keep passing it forward. Appreciate you checking in. This is Creating Space. This is what it's all about. Yeah, that was a great message. James taught me how to recognize that there are many different roads to Rome. I love how he's carved out his own individual path by a keen understanding of just who he is. Now, to episode number four next week, we've got Lake Norman's premier yoga instructor. We've got Jasmine Margrino coming on the show. She's going to teach us a little bit about the importance of how spirituality can help you rise when you fall excellent message. She's a lovely lady and she's going to teach us all the great things that are involved in that process. Thanks for coming again, creating space episode three, guys. We'll see you next week.